Welcome to Roaring with the 20s. I'm one of your hosts, Matt. And I'm Tim. Today's topic is about how jazz, flappers, and prohibition, also known as the ban on alcohol, and why it was significant to the 20s. Overall, we want to discover what the extent of the 1920s were a return to normalcy. Before we continue, we have to thank our sponsor, Alcatraz Jazz. Make sure to visit them and use code ROARING20s for 10% off on your entire purchase. With us right now, we got our main man, the man of the hour, the historian, Seth Schuster. How's it going, Seth? How's it going, guys? Uh, We're doing fine. So, I heard you have come on to help us learn about the connection of uh, jazz and prohibition in the 1920s. Yes, I have. In the 1920s, the 18th Amendment of the Constitution went to effect that ban the sale of transportation drinking of alcohol. As ProQuest.com stated, millions of people, um, millions of Americans denounced it as an infringement on the right, which is basically saying a million, millions of people basically became criminals and they hated the amendment. As a result, secret bars called speakeasies popped up. Well, that makes sense. They weren't allowed to go to bars because of the prohibition laws, right? Yes, the bars were called speakeasies because you often had to knock a code and, and whisper or speakeasy a password. And you weren't allowed in unless you did this because bars were illegal at the time and they were often run by gangs. That is actually a great lead into our next topic. Al Capone. Yes, one of the most famous monsters of all time. His origins are somewhat debated, but it's believed he started his life of crime at the age of 19, when he started working under Johnny Torrio. After only two years, when he was 21, he became the leader of Torrio's gang. Wow, that's pretty young. Yep, he did many things like run the biggest gambling and prostitution ring in the U.S. He bootlegged alcohol too, right? That's true, he made most of his money off bootlegging. He actually became a millionaire off it. But they can never really trace him back to alcohol, though it was believed he did. He is also believed to be involved in many mass murders of mainly other gangs, like the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. As this quote from the library says, he dominated organized crime in the Chicago area from 1925 to 1931, when he was in prison for federal income tax evasion. He was supposed to only spend 11 years in prison, but he only spent eight because he got out early on parole. That's very interesting. How would you say this connects to a return to normalcy? Well, during the 1920s came a huge culture change. Almost every aspect of society changed, including music, clothing, and drinking. Although a return to normalcy would have meant that society hadn't retur- had returned to the way it was before World War One, this never happened. After the war, culture completely changed. So would you say that Al Capone relates to this culture change? Yes, Al Capone showed that crime had often become way more organized. He was really one of the first people to have an organized crime gang that was able to make a lot of money. And because people wanted to stand out and go against prohibition laws by drinking, smoking, he would open speakeasies and sell alcohol, which made him a ton of money. Because you could no longer go to the nearest package store and get some alcohol, he ran a monopoly of speakeasies in Chicago and the surrounding area. As he once said, all I ever did was sell biscuit and weird to our best people. All I ever did was supply a demand that was pretty popular. And that's from Al Capone sometime in the 1920s. We're not totally sure. He just, and he just provided a common need for the U.S. at the time. Everybody wanted alcohol. So he opened speakeasies, say, really quickly before we have to let you go. What do speakeasies have to do with a return to normalcy? Uh, they pushed against 
social norms of not drinking and breaking the law. This meant older generations didn't like the younger generations going out, breaking the law, and drinking. So speakeasies also revolutionized dance and music, which the older generations hated. So you said earlier that Al Capone owned speakeasies and that there was music there. Jazz was a yeah. from around this time. Was it played in speakeasies? Yes, it was. But unfortunately, I really don't know much about this topic, but I brought my friend Jackson, who is the jazz expert, with me. Hi, Jackson. How are you doing on this fine morning? Not bad. How about you guys? We're doing all right. So, to get back to what we asked Seth earlier, what do you think about jazz's impact on the 1920s? Jazz had a major impact on the 1920s for many reasons, but one of the most important of them all was that it opposed a return to normalcy, which was something that many people wanted. Interesting. Care to explain a little bit more about that? Yes. The United States wanted a return to normalcy after World War I, but many people didn't want that, and new things started to come about in the 1920s, and jazz was one of them. Jazz is a different type of music, and people danced to it in a way that people didn't like. Many people wanted, wanted a return to normalcy, opposed jazz music because of the manner it was sung and the way people danced to it. Seems like jazz was pretty pop was pretty popular in the 1920s. What are some of the people who had a lasting impact on jazz? Well, Duke Ellington was was very important to jazz. Duke Ellington's career as a band leader spanned 50 years, taking off during the 1920s at a co- at the Cotton Club, accompanying primitive theme floor shows and encompassing popular hits of the swing era. Duke Ellington had a lasting impact on the jazz in the 1920s. Duke Ellington once said, "A problem is a chance for you to do your best." And what he means by this, even with all the problems in the world, it gives you an opportunity to do your best. So what do you think all this has to do with the return to normalcy? This really re- opposed a return to normalcy because of the huge culture change that took place in the 1920s, and jazz was a part of that culture change. The culture change had a growth of jazz mu- music and brought many new dances, such as the Charleston and other dances that really opposed a return to normalcy. Also, Louis Armstrong had a huge impact on jazz in the 1920s. Both Duke Ellington and Louis Armstrong helped change America and opposed a return to normalcy. Sounds good, Jackson. Thank you for joining us today. Now on to our final topic, flappers and the new woman. Tim and I did some research before today's discussion. Care to explain, Tim? So basically, in the 1920s, women began to change their boundaries and push for more economic, social, and political freedom and change. As said here from e-library, just as the flapper rejected her, mother lo- her mother's long hair, she also discarded Victorian fashion- fashions. They fought against traditional views and expectations, symbolizing that they were free to make their own decisions. They did this by wearing makeup, short skirts, and had bobs, a new hairstyle that developed in the 1920s. These women were also known as flappers. They were known for doing things that were to be immoral and outrageous. They smoked in public, they drove cars, went to work, Things that women weren't allowed to do before the 20s. Exactly. We have a picture right here from Britannica.com of Clara Bow, a famous flapper from the 1920s. As you can see, this picture shows that women believed that by becoming flappers, they became free to do whatever they wanted. They wore whatever they wanted and did whatever they wanted to do. Comfortable clothes. All things that women couldn't wear before the so what would you say is the connection between flappers and a return to normalcy? The introduction of flappers in the 1920s showed how culture and society was changing in the 1920s. A woman's roles in society changed. Culture changed as well. This means that flappers opposed a return to normalcy because they led a massive culture change in the 1920s. 
So, Matt, how would you say our central question, to what extent were the 1920s a return to normalcy after learning all this? Well, clearly, all of these outline topic, topics, such as speakeasies, Al Capone, flappers, and prohibition, showed that there was a huge culture change that occurred after World War I. The main goal of a return to normalcy was to return the U.S. to the state that it was before World War I. Due to the introduction of these new cultures into the U.S., the U.S. did not culturally return, culturally return to the way it was before World War I, therefore completely rejecting a return to normalcy. Well, that's Roaring with the 20s. I'm Tim. He's Matt. That's all the time we have today. See you later, alligators. Take care, teddy bears. In a while, crocodiles.